Blackhawks fans, and welcome in to the Four Feathers podcast. It's Johnny Nani, Ron Loose, alongside me for a little Hawks happy hour. Ron, how you doing this fine Friday evening? Johnny, I am great. We're back on the mic talking Blackhawks, and with you, my friend, happy Friday indeed. Man, it's just it's good to be back on a microphone with you, sir. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk Blackhawks hockey, especially with a lot going on lately, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. Yeah, Ron, we got a lot going on. Cheers. First of all, cheers. Yeah, cheers. I see you got a little whiskey there. I got a little Stella Artois in my vintage Blackhawks mm. mug here. So no other way to do Hawks Happy Hour. Get yourself a drink and uh, join us on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Sportsnet. Uh, go and check us out. Uh, jump in the comments there because we got a lot. I think that a lot of people are going to have uh, some thoughts on So Yeah, we might, uh, you know. Dare I say, ruffle some feathers, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you bring that up, Ron. We'll, we'll uh, not, not to spoil too, too much, but we do uh, have a new segment in here: ruffle some feathers, and probably going uh, to consist of some contentious topics on the show. Um, whether it be, you know, things pertaining on the ice, talking about um, potential, you know, broadcast stuff. Ooh. That's in Ooh. store. All right. Um, elite elite anyway, naming, Ron, just really uh, quick. Listeners, make sure. Elite, elite naming, Johnny of the of the wrong. No, thank you. We just got to give we got to give our, our yeah. producer proper credit here. Sorry, I didn't. Oh, really catch it, I, I I appreciate it. A few uh, brewskis may have contributed to that uh, when when I was getting the creative juices flowing for that one. So I uh, can't wait to bring that to you uh, and plenty more Blackhawks banter here uh, on season four, episode eleven of the Four Feathers podcast. Before we go anywhere though, uh, listeners, make sure you go and check out ontapsportsnet.com. Uh, subscribe, as I said, on YouTube so you don't miss any of our shows, and then uh, go and check us out social media too, Four Feathers Pod and at Ontap Sportsnet. So. Ron, let's jump in. Blackhawks doing a little bit of winning lately. Five of their last six. How does this make you feel? I, I don't know, Johnny. I don't know what to feel. I, I I tweeted at the Four Feathers account last night. I'm like, what is going on? It's it's weird. And it's like magic. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, man. It this team is winning games. Five out of six. Uh, Tony and I were in attendance for the the Tuesday winner against the Sabers. Like. They're playing good hockey, Johnny, and it's something, you know, I, I want to elaborate on as we continue to the show, but I'm going to just draw a little quick uh, vision to the name tag here, and this is why you should watch us live on YouTube. Be sure to hit that little bell, you know, when we go live. Luke's boys don't quit, and I think that's a big theme right now, Johnny, with how this team's playing. It's Right now, though, what am I thinking? I, I don't think it's entirely sunk in yet. Yeah, Ron, um, just first of all, on that name, I, I didn't even really notice it until you pointed it out. Um, but now that you say that, it's funny how that phrase has just uh, evolved. If you follow us over at Sox on Tap, the White Sox <laughs> coverage there. Obviously, the Ricky's boys don't quit when Rick Renteria was still there. Uh, and then that changed and kind of died out. But then uh, the Sox went on a good run at the beginning of that season. So then Tony's boys don't quit. A few rallies there. Uh, obviously, he had to step down to health issues. So then Miggy's boys don't quit when they went on that little run at the end of the 2022 season. And now here we are over in Blackhawks land with Luke's boys don't quit. No, Ron, I think that's something that we had asked for when you're talking about the essence of that. Uh, Luke's boys don't quit. We wanted to see some resiliency. We were okay with losses. We wanted to be hard fought. We wanted to see Luke Richardson's system, his mentality being instilled in the roster, in the guys that are here, even though not a whole lot of them will be around uh, for the long haul. There still are some pieces and you also got to establish a culture. A hundred percent. And, and, but it, it, to your point, Johnny, right. It is, it is everything we could have asked for out of this season. I think that was the, one of our, you know, one of our big themes too, right. On our opening show right. was how does, how does this team who 
is clearly on paper severely um, less talented, really, than most teams in the NHL. How do they respond? And damn, he's got them playing good hockey. Like even when, like you said, even when they're losing, there's for the most part still entertaining games. We got a little bit of a barn burner in that Kraken game uh, amidst this streak as you know that we're currently riding, but. I mean, Johnny, it, it's so refreshing because if nothing else, yeah, damn, maybe they're waiting too long with Reichel for some people's, you know, patience or, you know, we know they're going to burn it down at the deadline and, and Tank Center is going to be a hell of a day for Four Feathers, but they are just continuing to play good hockey under Luke Richardson. And, you know, and knowing that this season was going to suck, that's been a huge bright spot that I severely appreciate right yeah i think we all can and um it, once again as we, we've talked about it many times you talk about this winning streak here obviously five of the last six is a little unprecedented for this team because there are you know many stretches of um just no points at all being accumulated now they're not only just accumulating some points uh but winning uh the, those games not, not just like an overtime loss or something um but with that ron as we've said many times i've said it before at least two three times on the show multiple more times on social media and i'll say it again right here for our listeners uh, of this particular episode they're doing too much winning for your liking wait until after the trade deadline and it's going to fall off what do we say ron let's talk just really quick about our interaction and uh s cokes was in there too yeah. uh, with us uh, in the twitter interaction last night and we had you had quoted me on that uh with the uh, uh, you know wait until after the deadline thing and i had said they will not win more than five games after the trade deadline book it so that's my prediction ron but what, what do you think you had a little more bold one there I, I said two. I would be shocked if they win, win more two than two games. Oh, <laughs> they're gonna be bad, dude. Dude, I they're don't know. Gonna dude, be bad. Even when even when you're bad, man. There's a few like things. All it takes is a little flippy I mean, stuff. In fairness, go. in fairness, in fairness, before know, this man. streak, Johnny, they were at eight. Right. For the whole damn season, they were at eight. Like two to me does not seem unrealistic. I think their over under for the season was like nineteen. So. They, they could literally win two games after that deadline, especially if all of Kane, Taves, Domi, Athanasi, like if Reese Johnson's playing top six minutes, they're yeah. not two games, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just said it at five because, like I said, there's there's still some fluky stuff. And then you're also going to be, you know, I'd have to go and break down the schedule. I think that's something that I'll have to do closer yeah. to the trade deadline when, when we approach that juncture of the season. Um, but I would imagine there's some other teams that are doing a little bit of tanking there, too. So you oh, yeah. may not even want to win the game, but it may just happen. So that, that's why I kind of set my number at five there but we'll see we'll do the math i will see we'll see who's closer if it's somewhere in the middle there um i think that's also a possibility as well so uh we, we shall see but that's a, let's talk a little bit about this uh streak here um and some themes on the winning homestand run um was nice for the fans um because it's tough and we're in the dead days of winter uh, as i'd said a couple of episodes here so going four and three on that stretch you know kind of they were uh, home right after the new year uh, for a bunch of those and uh, I know there's a line like we just talked about with people saying, oh, no, we got to lose these. We got to tank. We got to make sure we get that, you know, uh, best odds there. But at the same time, th there's things that you can take away positively from those wins. And then also going to the UC, like we said at the beginning of the season, go in. You want to see a win when you show up at the United Center, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we you know, it's one thing to understand the objective of the season, Johnny, but it's another thing to not still appreciate your team winning hockey games. Like that is the purpose right. of why you play. And yes, obviously, you know, sometimes you have to take losses in order to incorporate L, you know, wins. It's, it's just the ebbs and flows of the sports industry. 
but oh, it just feels good when they win one. You know, it yeah. really is. It's it's a lot of fun. And Johnny, fun fact: I am two and one at the United Center in person this year. Ooh, I have a I have a winning record at the UC right now. Um, that feels pretty good because you know when you do go again, it's one thing to be at home and watching it on TV and ah, they lost, damn, whatever. But when you're there and they win and there's there's a buzz in the UC that's been very absent over the last six seven years. It's it's really nice to see that, Johnny. Yeah, no, uh, I believe I'm one in three. So you got me beat there. Um, I, I was at the home opener for that win against Detroit. And then I was also in attendance for the debacle um, on the, the Saturday night game with the, with all those goals let up in the first period. So, well, I want to we're going to get to that. But at the end of the show, because I have a, another thing that I'm going to tie into it in our final thoughts. Um, I think uh, Chicagoans will be able to appreciate it. But um, uh, otherwise on this, obviously, um, after the homestand and went out to Philly, uh, where they had a real long regular season losing streak there. Obviously, playoffs not counted in that. Um, it will do something related to those playoffs um, in a little bit here. But um, when snapping that road losing streak there at Philadelphia, it just seems like a tough building every time we've gone out there. I feel like we always get like the Saturday afternoon matchup that's like noon our time one there is and we're just never ready to play. But that wasn't the case. Went out there on a Thursday night and uh, got it done. Um, you know, uh, it was Mrazic keeping him in here in first star honors made 37 saves in that game. Uh, and, and then some nice fourth line magic. Uh, you saw Reese Johnson getting the game winning goal there. Um, and then, you know, uh, I sent it off with Kershev empty netter. And then there's some Tyler Johnson rock star zone um, activity there, Ron. So o- overall, the, the nice way to kick off the weekend because the weekend does start on Thursday. Yes, it does. And and that is one of our four feathers uh, rules there, Johnny, but yeah, man, just going back to what this team, you know, and, and, and kind of where we're at here, Johnny, just in the Megathon. First off, I just did a couple of sim lotteries. You don't want to know the results. Um, <laughs> well, it's because we're in the third spot right now. So we have the right. lowest odds of those top three, technically, as entering play Friday. And there's only two NHL right. games tonight. So I don't think anyone will be making any movement at that. Yeah, absolutely. But again, I think it, it just it just goes to support, right? Like, you know, they're they're playing okay enough, but they're, but they're still playing bad Johnny, but yeah, man. I mean, on top of it too, right. You, you said you were there on Saturday. I was, you know, there on Tuesday and and we're going to talk about that here too in a little bit, Johnny, but I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those things right now and they are where they are. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, like I just mentioned there with Tankathon, uh, you you doing your sim lotteries there, Ron. But the Blackhawks, they were in that top spot there uh, with the best odds, 18.5%. Um, they've now dropped down there in the third slot there behind the Jackets who hold that top spot and the Ducks are second. So like I said uh, a couple episodes ago, go Jackets, go Ducks. Hope they win there so then we can uh, you know get some more tanking in and then maybe enjoy sprinkled in a win here or two there uh, for just for the morale purposes while still not damaging the tank outlook. So um, we'll see what happens because uh, there will be some road games coming up, a little tough stretch. We'll get to that later. But, Ron, uh, over the stretch of winning, uh, one thing that has helped propel them there is the play of Seth Jones. He, he is, you know, playing much more assertively. I think getting the all-star nod is kind of a formality because every team has to have one. I feel like he's really upped his game since then. Have you seen that as well? Yeah, it really, it really did, Johnny. I think maybe make him feel appreciated for – you know, being here and probably going to be here through the full rebuild, but he has really stepped up. And and Tuesday was a perfect example of that, Johnny, as, as you have here in our lovely rundown. You know, a three-point game, that that's stepping up. Like, you know, especially right now, again. In clutch time, too. 
Right. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's one thing when guys like Taves and Kane aren't playing well, nobody's really scoring this year, but even just over this streak, that's, that's what we wanted to see out of Seth Jones, right? You say it all the time, Johnny, this is what we want to see out of him from an offensive right. standpoint. If he's going to be that big contract, keep playing like it, but absolutely agree with you ever since that all-star nod, it feels like he's, you know, got that little pep in his step again uh, and is playing some really good hockey. Yeah, it's. I think it's been a motivator for him because there's a story that came out shortly after that uh, the the first wave of All Stars was announced, and obviously he was included as the Blackhawks uh, default selection there. Um, he had talked with Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun Times, and he had said that you know uh, it's not lost on me that it's kind of a hollow honor. So um, I do think there's some motivation factor there. Uh, and then speaking to the point that you just finished off with there, um, yeah, he, he paid that contract. We've talked about it multiple times. I want to see more goals from Seth Jones, right? Um, they, I think even what Caleb, his brother, outscored him last year and they had like a bet going in there i want did seth to shatter that and i know caleb's uh been a little in and out himself this year so not as many opportunities but um i want to see him do that and you know doing two goals got the tying goal late uh in the third period and then in overtime um granted a little bit of a broken play uh and maybe a little bit of help from uh some shoddy transition defense by the sabers there but either way uh they don't ask how they ask how many um which we do here at four feathers podcast and he, he got two of them and made it a three-point night adding a helper in there as well so uh that was encouraging to see um he's playing just more like the force that he can be because when you have that physical stature there ron um he's like six four right i want to say he's very flu- very fluid uh in, in how he skates um he can be powerful if he wants to we've seen him body off some guys i just want to see that more right uh, because yeah. if you are that big money guy Let's see it. Be the noticeable guy every night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could tell. Number four is the guy that we pay a lot of money to, but you, you'll see him all over the ice. That's what you want to be able to say. Maybe a casual fan sitting beside you in the 300 level, right? Yeah, absolutely. You want to see him play up to his potential. There's a reason he got the big contract. I mean, the guy is a good defenseman. Sure, you can make the argument maybe that you know they overpaid for him or what have you, but nonetheless, this is a guy that you have marked as a franchise essentially player right now because he's your highest paying contract for the longest time he's got to step up he's got to do more of what he's doing and again like you said six four he's huge he can move like dude use that physique that is rare for a lot of defensemen in the nhl especially guys that can score right it's one thing for the big bruisers and some of the stay-at-home guys to be big but when you're a big guy and you got that offensive touch you got to use it man Right. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, Ron, last topic on Seth Jones here. I saw um, an article today. I didn't really read too much of it, but the headline kind of got me thinking. And I think it's been a thought that's been swirling around some of the Blackhawks fan base. But it was, you know, Seth Jones uh, setting up for potentially being a future captain of the Blackhawks. And when I thought about that, I was thinking about the circumstances surrounding it. And I think it would at first my thought was it would be completely circumstantial because, oh, Taves is going to go, so there's your current captain gone. Oh, he's here for the long haul. You can't move that contract. So by default, he's going to be here. He's one of the top – he's going to be the top-paid guy on the team, say, Kane and Taves go. Um, And then he's obviously already got an alternate role. You transition, step that up um, if you're going to name him the captain, even if you do do a period of just alternates for a while. So feels like another thing, like the All-Star honor, maybe a little hollow. Maybe, you know, is it that deserved? So I want to see more leadership from him, and I don't think it's his personality too much that to be the rah rah guy. Uh, maybe it's a little different. Granted, I'm not you know uh, I'm not in the locker room when, when they're having uh, intermission talks or talking about adjustments or what needs to be motivated. Who's saying what on the bench? But he just doesn't seem like that guy, that, that fiery guy. Um, so sorry if it's not your personality, 
but you're going to have to show it a little bit more if he does want to eventually win that role. I don't know what your thoughts are. I, I agree, Johnny. And you could even almost take another little spin on it too, right? And it's like, sure, not every captain is a vocal captain. We've seen that across numerous sports. Sometimes the quiet guy can get the job done, but you got to lead by example. And that is the biggest thing, right? Sure, maybe he's that a voice in the locker room in terms of that veteran leadership to younger guys, kind of a guy that people can look up to. Uh, dare I say one of your favorite teams, Johnny, kind of that Jose Abreu role on the Chicago White Sox where he's not the loudest guy, but he's well-respected because of how he plays. I think we that goes back into your point of needing to see Seth Jones step up more in his just offensive and hockey game. Maybe that will help with that leadership because, again, Taves was kind of that way when he first started as captain. He got fi more fiery as his career went on. But I think early when he was a little timid as, as a young captain, but he just led by example because he was consistent. He went out there. He played hard. If Seth Jones can even do that, Johnny, and then be that well-respected voice in the locker room, I, I think he can then garnish that leadership role, and it won't be so hollow. But again, you still need to see more of it. Either you're stepping up as a rah-rah guy, like you said, Johnny, and I think it's an absolutely fair point, but also, are you stepping up and showing it in your play on the ice? Yeah, right, 100%. So I think that's a good discussion on that. Obviously, we will dog-ear that because it's going to be a little bit until uh, we have any movement on that front. Shit, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Blackhawks win a season more, maybe, um, without a captain if Jonathan Taves does end up going at the deadline. So um, we'll uh, check back in on that um, as it develops. All right, Ron, it's time to ruffle some feathers. And this is the big topic of this show tonight. And it is the Chris Foster's debate, Ron. Um, it got a little heated last night because um, there was an instance, um, I'll share it in a second here, that um, it didn't really sit well because it was a very important Blackhawks moment being referenced, and it was referenced wrongly. Um, by Chris Foster. So scenario was um, it was in the first period and Patrick Kane uh, had a shot that he was trying to go high on uh, in the game against Philadelphia. He was trying to get it top shelf, elevate over a blocker or a glove of Carter Hart. And Chris Foster's was commentating it. And he had said, uh, Kane, you know, obviously we're in the building at Philadelphia there, Wells Fargo arena where that 2010 Stanley cup was and Kane trying to go top shelf like that winner that he had in the, for the Blackhawks Stanley cup in 2010. And I, I thought, I was like, wait, did he really just say that? Did he really just say top shelf? And it seems like minuscule on the surface, right? Oh, what does it matter if it was top shelf? What does it matter if it was, you know, if it was like a normal shot and maybe just kind of like in the middle of the net and seven hole or whatever, and he said top shelf, maybe not as big of a deal. But the reason that goal is so iconic, Ron, is because no one knew what the hell happened. Doc Emmerich didn't even know how to call it at the time, right? Um, the whole reason, obviously, we know after replay, seeing the overhead view, seeing the on ice view, seeing the fan view uh, from the side right there by where Kane was on the half wall. Um, it was low, went through the pads so quickly that it got stuck under that white covering by the net and um, it got wedged under there and you couldn't see it um, from the side view. And that was very clearly a low goal. It was low on the ice. Didn't even leave the ice. Shit. It was on the ice the whole way. It was not top shelf. And it was an iconic moment in Blackhawks history. Broke the stand, you know, the um, drought that they had of Stanley Cups. Finally, brought Lord Stanley back to Chicago. Started the dynasty, and it just feels when you hear that Pat Foley would never mess something like that up. I know it's hard to compare to him, and we'll let you have your air on that, Ron. Sure. But it's kind of a slap in the face to Blackhawks fandom. Um, it really that's what it felt like to me, and I think that's why it kind of sparked uh, some backlash. And I, I like I said. 
it was just a moment in the broadcast, but the longer, the, the bigger overall sort of aura of it is what kind of got to me. It's like, is this guy really the right guy? Is he really dialed into the Blackhawks? Because you knew Pat Foley always was. Yeah, and I, I think, I, and I'll agree there, Johnny. I'm, I'm not going to totally let him off scotch-free. I know everybody's probably like, oh, you just, you like him so much so you'll defend him endlessly. No, it, it's definitely a moment that you as the Blackhawks broadcaster should know, right? And know inside and out. And there's this type of kind of elegance to broadcasting Johnny because he does a lot of games, right? You know, he's done, uh, he has done college, right? At the collegiate level, especially for the Big Ten Network. Uh, You probably heard him a lot on those Friday nights, Johnny, when we were doing four feather shows over the last handful of years. You know, he's done tons of other sports as well. And I think that is something, Johnny, where it goes into broadcasting is this whole unique thing, right? Because you're you're narrating the action on the playing surface, just period, whatever it is, no matter the sport. And you're telling a story. And, you know, it's really easy to walk into another building and call a game without being a fan. And I think that's the part, right, where maybe this is my call of, like, give this guy a chance because, you know, he he grew up just you know over the border in Wisconsin, so you know Blackhawks were the local team. But so you're telling you me know, he's a Wild fan? God, I hope not. I, I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. But you know, again, you know, maybe like the it wasn't as relevant, right? Because like us, it's in our backyard and and whatever. I think he's still kind of learning how to become that fan because that's what Pat Foley was, right? Pat Foley's the Chicago kid, grew up you know, going to games, you know, grew up a Cubs fan here in Chicago, right? Like Pat Foley was from here. And so like he was almost one of our own because he truly was a diehard longtime fan. And even something I have noticed, Johnny, for games I call, I'm a fan because I call games for where I went to school. So I am a fan. So I get that investment in it. Recall some memories, different things like that. He's going to, he has to give that. And I think that's something he's still learning as a new broadcaster specific to a team is you just have to give your energy into it and become a fan. Because once you become a fan, then that's how you become a Pat Foley or in the eyes of White Sox fans. That's how you become a Hawk Harrelson, or that's how you become a Harry Carey, or that's how you become one of these legendary broadcasters that for a specific team becomes so beloved because they are at their core a fan. They want their team to win. And I think he's still learning how to do that because he was a national broadcaster. He had to be impartial. He had a, he had a, divest his energy to a fault away from being that diehard fan of the team that he's calling for. So again, I, I think it is a very much, you know, understandable by Blackhawks fans got upset about that. And that, that is a tough, you know, we'll call it a mistake. Cause that's what it was, right? You, 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 you miss, you know, spoke on what the play actually was. He's got to give himself to become a fan because I bet you right now, if he does, everybody's narrative of, oh, this guy stinks, blah, 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 is going to quickly go away, right? It, it's quickly going to become, oh, okay, this guy, this guy's invested now. We feel that investment. I think he's still trying to learn that because that does take time and adjustment, Johnny. But agree, I understand why everybody's upset, but I think everybody jumping down his throat and calling for him to be off of TV at this very second moment right. that, is 
a bit over the top. Uh, I'll go with you. Hey, I appreciate your perspective uh, from, you know, having to call games yourself there. Um, that it's very important, I think, to take into consideration. And then also, I there's I did said it in the, the, the thread tweet is just kind of a, you know, a kind of overreaction uh, at the time because that's what we do here. But I, I would also agree with you that the calls for him uh, to be all fire monsters now, you know, um, all of that. I, I'm not there. I'm not at that point yet. Um, but I, I will say, yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that um, it, it's I'm giving him a chance and I know that it's a process, but it, it is hard to listen to at times. So I would be lying to myself if I just said, oh, yeah, it's fine. I can dismiss everything uh, because, you know, sure. it's okay. But it is hard to listen to sometimes. There's some nights where I'd rather just flip on the radio and sync it up and mute my TV. So um, sure. that's just my reaction to it at times. Um, there's yeah. another, there's multiple like layers to it. Obviously, that was kind of the big attention grabbing thing, uh, referencing the Kane goal uh, incorrectly uh, that we just talked about. But another thing, Ron, I want to bring up, and I don't know if you're able to see the open at all on the game last night. Um, Pat Foley was always very elo- eloquent in his opens. I, I hate to keep going back to it, but you knew it was time for Blackhawks hockey because Pat Foley would have this kind of already scripted game plan of how he was going to bring in the broadcast. Well, sounds like Chris Foster's just flying it, you know, uh, doing it. The uh, Fuck it. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Bill O'Reilly kind of style last night. And Troy Murray wasn't having any of it. I don't know if you saw, he didn't even know what to say back to Chris. He said, Oh really? That's how we're going to open. And that chemistry is not there yet. And I know it takes time to build chemistry, um, but it doesn't seem like they're actually clicking. Um, usually mm-hmm. you would see some moments of that there. I feel like there's still too much of a divide there. And sure, some time may be able to mend that a little bit, but I don't know if their styles gel really well. So um, it's a it's a tough listen at times. And that that's another reason for it. And Troy's not going to slam his partner on the air, right? I know he's going to have, there's like that little like kick up and it's probably innocent on Troy's part in terms of just, you know, maybe like caught off guard a little bit and all of that. And he's not intentionally trying to like sabotage Foster's there, but it wasn't even like natural at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, and it just feels like, I don't know if this guy and Troy Murray can work together in the booth. Um, I feel like it's a temporary setup and there's going to have to be a change one way or the other um, down the road. So I don't know about you thoughts on, awkward interactions like that because that's not the only one that's happened yeah and and you know what i think some of that too is johnny is maybe a bit of mishandling on the part of the blackhawks right because just like anything in life it has to have a balance it has to work it has to have chemistry being a, a broadcast partner with somebody in a lot of ways is like being in any kind of relationship a friendship a marriage you know uh you know engagement etc where you got to click, it's got to work in order for it to be good and it to, you know, be enjoyable for the fan at home that's listening. And I think it's it's a bit of mistreatment on the part of the Blackhawks, Johnny, because it, it's great if you want to give Troy Murray the TV time, because I think he does deserve it. He's fantastic. He's a, a, a team legend that, again, we were spoiled in Chicago with two of the best color analysts in hockey on radio and television, respectively, in the forms of Murray and, and Eddie O. You know, it's great to if you're going to do that, but then if you're going to do that, I almost feel like you can't break the chemistry. Also, nice hashtag crack them with the Stella there, Johnny, and more a couple more green bottles on the uh, the live shows here with four feathers. We love to see it, but you know, I think if, if they go into that point, Johnny, of Murray's, we want to give Murray that TV time because he we think he deserves it. Then put Wideman on TV too. Because those guys have the chemistry; they've been together for forever. Yeah, it's done a few. It's done a few one-offs, and I liked it. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, 
and like that's you know Weidman's a talented enough broadcaster where TV to radio is not a huge switch for him. Like he might be a little more over descriptive than your natural TV guy because that's what you have to be on radio. But like he's still going to call the game eloquently, and they're going to work. They're going to mesh because they've done it for so long. Pat Foley and Eddie Ocek did that for a long time together here in Chicago, right? Like it, there are guys that gel better with others. But I think in this case, Vosters is kind of this new school broadcaster where maybe some things are a little more, you know, because, right, like the natural content is so popular nowadays. People just being themselves. More broadcasters are trying to bring personality to it while still trying to be professional. And for guys that are still that OG kind of professional, it's hard to get that adjustment. really is with some of these guys. Like if you watch them, and I know a lot of people hate them because they just don't like the guy, but – the best chemistry in the booth with Vosters is Colby Cohen. And those two work really well off of each other and can go back and forth. Ooh, that's and it is a tough sell, Ron. I'm just going to let you know right now. No, it's, and that's fair. Tough sell. And that's fair. But more my point being, like, if you were going to want Vosters as your guy, like, you either have to – he has to call all, all games on TV, and then if you want to give John and Troy a TV night – you know, he just gets a night off if he's doing like national or something like you let him go do national for a couple games type thing to do the transition. You got to let him just have a guy. Let it be sharp all the time. If that's going to be the case, because I will say then, I think it's been a little bit better with sharp than with Troy. Well, and, and and but they're 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 both going into the booth together and learning and growing together. And that's what's going to, I think, help them in this situation specifically, Johnny. And, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. And, you know, I've I've had the pleasure of, you know, being color on football games for SXU with two different play-by-play guys. And I I gel really well with both of them, but it's, it's two very different relationships, right? One was very, like, it was, it was professional. It was cut and dry, right? Like, it was... You know, hey, we're 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 professional partners here. You know, we get the job done. We're very, we got it. Boom, 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 boom. But my other play-by-play is actually one of my good friends. I talk to him every single day. So him and I on a microphone. My whole goal every broadcast is to make him laugh on the broadcast and to screw him up because he's very professional. He takes his job very seriously, and he he calls games for an arena uh, football league team. So like he's up there. He's doing big things, but like. I'm breaking you because that's just the relationship we had. And that was fun and people enjoy it and have given us that feedback. That's the biggest key, Johnny is the chemistry. And I think in this situation, the awkward open is a result of yes, maybe they're not meant to be together. And it's a little bit of criticism toward both of them, perhaps just because of how they do things, but that's also on the Blackhawks to identify that and make the right move. That it's either got to be, in my opinion, John and Troy, because it's John and Troy and everybody knows him Chicago, or it's got to be, Vosters and whomever his color guy is going forward, you know, once Troy retires or whatever, like that's what it's got to be in my opinion, because otherwise you're setting them both up for failure. And that's when you get these awkward moments on the broadcast. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good assessment there, Rondi. One thing that you said in, in the middle of that, that, that kind of caught, you know, put put on the light bulb in my head. And once I said, you know, tough sell when you mentioned with, with the chemistry possibly no. between a fair, Col- a fair with, criticism <laughs> t- t- talking about, though, between Colby Cohen and mm-hmm. Chris Foster. I agree that it would probably be the better chemistry there. But then the problem for me stems further than that because of not not to like rag these guys personally, but mm-hmm. their sense of humor, Chris Foster's personal sense of humor. I don't know if that generally connects widespread to many Blackhawks fans. Um, 
like take it for example on the White Sox side of things. I'm mm-hmm. you know a Hawk guy. I loved him, and I know you know, but that's me. I'm the South Sider. You know, listened up. He was the soundtrack this summer. All that stuff. But when Benetti came in, a lot of guys, you know, it took like a little, it was a little transition, but then it, a lot of White Sox fans have really embraced it and they love him. But now he does it because he knows the White Sox fan sort of humor, that sort of stuff. And sure, Voster, not saying that Vosters can't grow into that um, when, as, as it pertains to the Blackhawks. However, I won't go and anoint Jason Benetti and put him on the same pedestal that other White Sox fans will because I don't connect with him. I don't like his sense of humor as much as other people do there are some don't get me wrong there are some moments that are good and there's some mm-hmm. jokes that are good that'll get me and i think chris fosters has a few of them here and there however on the overall sometimes i'm just begging for len casper on the white Sox side right now like last night left me begging for pat foley to come back um miraculously sometime after like the first period uh, to write the call for the rest of the game um it, it's tough because like i said i don't want to attack them and there's and this is where i just kind of have a issue with it and i think it could be a longer term problem is because if that never settles in and there's never any kind of bond between him and the blackhawks fan base then it's going to be tough for him to win anybody over and yeah. stay in that post and it's just tough for me because maybe he will grow on me a little bit but if it's anything like situation on the south side that and who knows might get crucified for that take because there are a lot of people that really like jason benetti so who knows hopefully i'm eating my words and chris foster does grow into this but as things currently stand with the body of work i've watched i'd say probably all but three games this season on with the blackhawks tv call it's not not getting it done for me right now so that's where i'd leave that at in terms of showing personality and my just kind of issues with it so. Yeah, and I I think that's an incredibly fair assessment, though, Johnny. Like, I, I don't think you're wrong by any means of feeling that way because I think a lot of fans do feel that way, and that's where I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take this down two forks on the road really quick because there's in my opinion there's two ways that this improves in the future for somebody here, right? It's it, in this case you can maybe put a little blame on the Blackhawks then saying, do you really know your fan base? If this guy isn't gelling with your fan base, because guess what? There are great broadcasters that won't gel with a fan base. Not everybody, like, you know, you hear a lot of online, you know, celebrities and stuff. A guy I'll I'll quote, because I'm a big fan of his, is Pat McAfee. He says, he's like, I'm not for everybody. I'm, you know, I'm not your favorite, not everybody's favorite flavor of ice right. cream. You know what I mean? So it sometimes doesn't work. And maybe, maybe. Yeah, and you, you can't can please fall. everyone. I understand. I do understand. I just, of course, to... of course, of course. I do get it, it. You know, maybe that's on the Blackhawks front office then for making that decision and not knowing their fan base. But then again, okay, it's done and they believe in him. Then if you're Chris, the way he can, I think, improve maybe and and, and understand how to become more well-liked, I think it's to try to connect with the fans. You know what I mean? Like, be that guy on Twitter to go back and forth with fans. Do some natural engagement. Maybe, you know, maybe go walk around the concourse if you've got 10 minutes before a game and, you know, just kind of talk to fans and get to know them a little bit and what they like and what they don't like. And, you know what I mean? And like people might be like, oh, that's real, like, you know, D3, you know, that's real, you know, juniors or minor league if he's going out and talking to the fans. No, it's not. It's connecting with the people that, your product is essentially appeasing. I mean, that's what it is. People fell in love with Pat Foley because Pat Foley was a Chicago Blackhawks fan. He knew he he gelled with the fan base. That's where 
you, you have to find that. And I think going back to your point about the White Sox, Johnny, I'm a, a Benetti fan, even though I'm a Cubs fan. I, I appreciate Benetti. I think he's a great broadcaster. But I totally understand why he's not everybody's favorite flavor of ice cream for a, broad, a broadcast. Right. It's it's understandable. So, you know, it really is one of those things where it, uh, some of it goes on the decision makers as well, right? Like mm-hmm. you could have somebody that's a, a great employee in anything in, in life, but if you put them in the wrong position to succeed, you know what I mean? That's that partially not necessarily always on them. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to sit here and be, oh, you got to give Foster a chance. Like if you don't want to, cool, write them off then. I don't give a damn. Well, I'm going to give them a chance. You know what I mean? So it's like, I just think there's there's two ways this could have gone about, but it but it's a fair point, Johnny, because I agree there are absolutely situations where guys won't fit their audience based on just how they are. All right, all, all all fair, Ron, and I just wanted to talk. You you had said something about um kind of like the interactivity too with I think that would be a good thing for Chris Foss to get out there and be with the, the Blackhawks fans. I mean, I think. You know, obviously, I know they got to do game prep and stuff, but shit, um, it'd be cool to see them uh, if they do like that, you know, uh, pregame live booth from like the atrium or from uh, outside one of the hundred level sections. If Chris Foster is a little drop by, right, and you can go and see him and dock and whatever um, real quick before he has to head up the elevator for uh, yeah. the game broadcast itself. You know, um, I, I would take the time and I would actually like to go and talk to him because I will say he does do a good job in terms of interactivity on social media. I do think his presence there is strong and it's interesting because those are good for those platforms that you know he shares pertinent blackhawks information with the you know maybe a twist of his own to it um and then he documents his you know he's at the morning skate if you go and watch his instagram story or whatever i'm not huge on tiktok but i know he does videos of like you know kind of recapping road trips or where they went the sites that they saw around you know like saying that you know like the stairs in philadelphia and what, what what have you um and the liberty bell and stuff like that and then you know a shot from the booth of him and troy or whatever that, that's all good and dandy and that's good for those platforms Platforms, and that's good that because that's spreading the Blackhawks brand there. However, when you go and talk about a TV audience, TikTok humor doesn't translate back to that because you got a bunch of people that are 40 plus years old that are some of your most loyal and diehard Blackhawks fans on the planet. And they have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. So while you do want him to be himself, I think there's a line there where he's crossing over it a few too many times for my liking and I know probably plenty of other people's likings based on the replies we got uh, on Twitter to, to the whole start of this debacle last night. Yeah. And Johnny, I, I think that's a great point, honestly, because that is really kind of where I think sports media in general is going, right? Like you can be a personality on air, but like now you also have to develop that social media for that new age fan that's coming along. All these leagues want you to do that because they're trying to garner that, that next say, generation. It's, it's right? important. However, yes. it's not the same format. Know your agreed. platform, I guess, is what I'm agreed. talking about. Absolutely agreed. And I again, I think that's a learning experience on the part of everyone. I think that's a learning experience on the fan understanding where you know the that industry is going, on the the broadcaster themselves understanding. Like you said, your audience, right? TikTok versus the actual hockey broadcast. You know what I mean? Like kind of a separation of church and state in a lot of ways. You know, it, there, there's a lot of self-awareness moments I think, think that need to take place too. Also understanding with the Blackhawks, like, hey, you are going to ruffle the feathers of some of your older generation diehards because maybe, again, they right? This, this front office's motto is we're moving on. This is the new era of Blackhawks hockey. That also 
is to also appeal to the new generation too. So uh, again, I think there's, there's so many moving avenues of, there's a lot of blending that needs to occur. And I think everybody can take a little bit of blame here, including Chris himself. I really think, you know, some of that is him understanding which platforms, whether it's the television, TikTok, Twitter, et cetera, what, what is your audience and how do you cater best to that audience to appease to everybody's desires? Because that's really ultimately at the end of the day, what your job is in that profession. Right. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I wanted to bring that up because I think that is where I've heard, you know, the word, and I think this does get overused, but people say cringe. And that's a joke that, like I said, is maybe not appropriate for the platform there, not in terms of that it's a dirty joke or inappropriate, but people aren't going to get it. People, people don't want to hear about, you know, whatever the latest trend is on TikTok as, you know, uh, our defensemen are getting carved up for three goals in 10 minutes in the first period. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, mm-hmm. it's, there's a separation there. I think that you uh, had outlined that um, I think needs to be more defined uh, going forward. So um, that, that I just wanted to get that. I'm glad we aired all of that out, Ron. I appreciate your perspective on it, especially from the personal experience calling games. Um, I like hearing that, but I do Blackhawks fans. If you're upset with them, I hear you because last night I was, I was pretty hot. Yeah. You know, Ron, I sent that message to you guys in the group and I obviously we're, we go a little over the top ourselves sometimes because that's what <laughs> we do. We bring you Blackhawks content updates and hot takes. That, that's our, that's our goal here at four feathers yeah. podcast. However, I had said it's time just because I was so frustrated about the 2010 reference that, Fireball offense, IMO. So here on the Four Feathers podcast, get a little heated sometimes. I don't actually think the Blackhawks should fire him on this spot, just for the record. But <laughs> uh, th- that's just was my reaction, and, and it got it got me hot. You know, it got a lot of other Blackhawks fans hot. So um, hey, we're, we're here to continue this discussion. I'd say you know, guess what? Whether, whether you like it or not, he's going to be on for the rest of the season. Obviously, for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't know what his exact contract is, um, but. He, he, Let's just see if he can grow. Let's see if maybe, you know, and I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy, I'm not going to go and tag him on Twitter and say, oh, you fucking suck. I'm sure there are some people that do that. Right. Um, and he's probably heard it seen here, hopefully, hopefully for his own sake that he has those notifications filtered uh, to get some of that shit out of there. Uh, Cause I don't think that's stuff they need to see, but I do think there's some constructive criticism that can go um, his way there. So I would believe that not to say that we started it, but with the amount of people that were talking about it last night, it's hard for me to believe that Chris Foster's didn't at least get word back that some stuff was going on around him last night. Let's see how he responds. 100%. And I think the response is going to be really key, Johnny, because again, uh, the the quicker that he acclimates and I think becomes that fan and, and you know, really integrates with what the Blackhawks hockey community is as a whole and understanding his audience and platform, Johnny, I, I think there is going to be that improvement. But, you know, I, I think like anybody in any profession, I, I bet you he's probably good with the constructive criticism. And I bet you he does kind of look at his own product and say, what can I improve on? And what can I be better at? And hopefully this is a learning moment for him, because I think it's it's safe to say that, you know, the everybody can see the prospect of the announcer he could become as that new kind of voice of Blackhawks hockey. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, of him also being able to come to the you know understanding of what he needs to do to get better. And, you know, in the end of the day, it, it, it was a mistake. And hopefully he grows from it and, and continues to get better because, you know, broadcasting's hard. But there's a lot of elements in the broadcasting. I think people that 
you know, in general, and the fan base need to understand, but also things that I think Chris understands that he probably needs to work on and improve as in order to get better in the profession. Yeah. And there's one last point here, Ron, that I don't think we really brought up. We brought it up on past broad. It's a couple episodes ago. We didn't even know that this was going to spiral to this point, but we had talked about him a little bit, right? Because there was a little mm-hmm. bit of talk um, about, you know, potential, you know, like what uh, maybe there was an awkward moment like previously, but not as like, uh, you know, egregious out, outstanding as this one. Um, but the tough situation that he's in, obviously relieving Pat Foley's no, those are big shoes to step into. So uh, the, you got to got to take that into consideration. Once again, it doesn't, you know, completely excuse him from all the mistakes that he makes. Right. Uh, still got to be held accountable. But um, then the play of the team on the ice. Guess what? If the Hawks are romping everybody and they're looking good and we're not in the middle of a damn rebuild, you could probably put up with a little bit of subpar broadcasting and a you would, like I said, you'd just be happy that the team's winning and you'd be able to, you know, let that go. And then, you know, there'd be a better moment that you would make you gloss over the, the previous one if it was a little slip up or something. When the team's bad like this, you go there and why why are we tuning in? Obviously, we want to see the development of our team. We're going to be with them no matter what. But you're also kind of there for an entertainment value, too. Uh, at the same time. So um, it's a tough situation for him uh, having to be the entertainer in an unentertaining season overall um, for the Blackhawks. So I do want to make that just known. I do. That's not lost on me, um, but. Oh no, nothing like losing Johnny in the middle of the broadcast, but like he was saying, you know, it's certainly not lost on him either. Oh, and he's back with a vengeance. Welcome back, sir. Dude, I accidentally swiped and it took me off the page. So I'm back. (laughs) I just want to say that situation's not lost on me, Ron. It's, uh, um, it, it is a tough scenario, um, but he does still have to navigate it no matter what it is. So um, I just wanted to leave that out there kind of as my last thought on this, because you do got to take into account what the team's doing, what the product you're calling is actually all about. Yep. Absolutely agree with you, my friend. So well put. All right. Uh, I think that was good on the Chris Foster's debate. We can move on from ruffle some feathers. Uh, hopefully we can have a few more topics that spark debate like that in the future. Look forward to bringing that to you on future episodes of the four feathers podcast. All right. Now we're talking about what to watch going forward, Ron. We got a little injury situation back up in the goalie room. Unfortunately, Alex Stalock is back in concussion protocol. Do you think Jackson Stauber possibly sees his first NHL action? Um, given that the Blackhawks have a back-to-back coming up here on Saturday, Sunday maybe i mean it's really possible johnny and you know i i would also say you know keep an eye on other injury updates right like what if you know maybe stay locks off the report by then and things like that but at this point why not johnny why not give the kid a chance and see what he can do you gotta remember arvid soderblum's still on ir down with rockford so yeah. I know he was the one when they had the issues with obviously stay and protocol and then Mrazic had another flare up with the groin mm-hmm. earlier in the season. Sort of Bloom saw a big share of the workload there. He's not yeah. an option right now. Then once again, that timeline should be coming up because I believe it was kind of mid late December when he went on and it was a two, three week timeline. Um, so we should be approaching the end of that. But when you were just down at Rockford and playing in games there and ready to come back up, just thrust him right in. Okay. You're the number one guy now. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It, it'll be, it'll, I, I really agree. I think we're going to have to keep an eye on that Arvid Soderblom, you know, situation because maybe we wake up tomorrow morning and there's a roster yeah, move, we got, right? we got an update. Hey, we got an update. Uh, Soderblom is in net. He's back for the Ice Hogs then. So that's good news. All right. Good to hear. But that was just as, as you know, right before they left for the road trip, we knew that Stalock wasn't going on it. And Soderblom wasn't back then. So we appreciate us, Cokes, for bringing us that information. So he's back there, possibly for hey. a call up. Uh, this weekend if they don't want to go to Stauber um, because Stauber's been up a few times. 
just never actually gotten the net. Yeah, he's. I think he's there for emergency purposes only, Johnny. And he's I there to look really cool see, on the bench. <laughs> yeah, he's there to look dope, have a nice little hat on, you know, wear his cool pads. But I, I agree. I, I think you know, be on the lookout. We're going to probably see Mrazek tomorrow on the road. Uh, but when they come back to the UC on Sunday, Johnny, uh, it's probably going to be Soderbloom. He'll have a day of rest in between. Right. He might just join the team in Chicago. Like he might not even travel with them. Right. Uh, yeah. For that game on on Saturday night. So. Um, yeah, man, but I, I would have liked to see the little style reaction, but he's going to see a lot of action down in Rockford now because they're going to need right. a goaltender. I think that, that's probably the best place for him, and obviously I think Soderblom still needs his work down in Rockford as well. It, it is good, kind of like you know, you're seeing Reichel and Stintz here, uh, and we're talking about forwards there, but for the goalies too, um, you know, obviously – Soderblom's the most highly touted right now. That's at least close. I know we've talked about Drew Camesso in the past, but he's still ways to go, obviously, um, with where he is. But um, – We'll see what happens. Um, possibly Soderblom Sunday then uh, could very well be a thing. All right. Um, other one, we talked about Seth Jones stepping up as of late. Up front, Philip Kurashev. He's looking good, Ron. What have you liked from him uh, during this little Blackhawks sort of winning spurt here? I like Kurashev, Johnny, because he's just kind of that all-around player that gives you a little bit of everything. He's maybe not great at anything, but he's good at a lot of things. And you need those kind of depth guys, especially hovering, you know, probably in a perfect case scenario, he's like a third liner, you know, maybe a four-line guy if you're really deep. But, you know, I could see a quality third-line player. I think of like a Tomas Kopetsky role, who I whose jersey I wore to that game on Tuesday against the Sabres. You know, that guy that brings a little offense, brings a little of that hardcore, for, you know, for checking, can play some defense, can kill some penalties for got you. Some good speed. Yeah, he's got got some good straight line speed. Like, dare I say, I think Philip Kurashev is is turning into a dare I say like maybe that next great like Blackhawks role player that we're going to see as a part of the future. Like he's never going to be great, but he's, he's getting, he's becoming, you know, he's showing those, the, that flair and we've seen some of that from him. Um, but yeah, I like what I'm seeing from him. Cause I feel like when he's playing well, that's a guy that I think yeah. we could sit here down the stretch later in the season and go, we can watch his development the rest of the year and try and pick up something out of it. I just need to see it more consistently because that second line goes when he goes. Um, everybody has mm -hmm. to play a role on that. I think just with the makeup of it, obviously Taves is up the middle um, with that group. And then Taylor Radish is a guy that I think will be a better scorer than Kurashev, pure scorer, but he's not going to do some of the little intangible things. I know he's got a little bit bigger frame, but he, he's not going to be as creative, right, um, in terms of, you know, setting up and playmaking and stuff. It's get the puck on my fucking stick and I'm going to crank it, you know, past the goalie's glove and we're going to score here. But he needs the kind of, you know, guys around him. So when Philip Kurashev helps drive that along with Taves there, um, uh, that second line does a whole lot better. And you saw that uh, in the game against the Buffalo Sabres, that overtime win um, that you and Tony were at, Ron. Let's talk about that for a little bit. You, you and Tony had a little outing uh, at the United Center, saw an overtime win, as I said. Sh sh show us the meme. We, we got to see it. We, we, we got oh, yeah. to see Tony because <laughs> you guys had a very nice celebration up there uh, in the 300 level, and that was right at your end, right in front of you guys. Um, sure so was. Our guy Tony on tap was pretty damn excited about this one. He sure was. And uh, <laughs> the story, the story behind it, Johnny, is we were we were sitting there celebrating and I threw my arm up and I hit Tony's hat off. So I pick it up. I, this was in a video. This is a screenshot. Uh, I pick up his hat. I put yeah. it on his head and that's how it sat. And then I turned to him and he had it moved it. He's just like, yeah, yeah, that was great. We, I, we I, went. I, 
I like how he moved a little bit with the celebration without it falling off too, even though it was like like barely sitting on his head, like kind of like sticking upward sideways. That was hilarious. Barely hanging on. No, it was a lot of fun. Uh, We went with my buddy Zach as well. Um, You know, we had to, we had to do a little Tage Thompson watching as well. He's my fantasy hockey potential league winner. If I do win my uh, fantasy hockey this year, I got him in like the second to last round in our draft. Um, You know, I mean, it was it was a hell of a game. And, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier too, Johnny, seeing Seth Jones step up two goals, the tire and the winner, uh, as you mentioned, the winner right in front of us there. Uh, we were up in good old section 308. Great tickets and great seats, by the way. Um, definitely a spot I would highly recommend people sitting and you can get them for a good price, too. Um, but, yeah, man, it was cool. It was it was a lot of fun. Love seeing wins at the UC, uh, you know. Game-winning overtime goals are cool and tough, Johnny. Um, and that's what we got to see on, on Tuesday night in a, in a winner over the Sabres that at the time made it four out of five. And uh, they followed it up nicely against Philadelphia last night with five out of six minutes. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Again, OT winners are cool, especially in person. And, yeah, we had one hell of a little celebration. That's a, that's a Tony on tap meme that's going to live for forever and ever in the infamy of what is on tap sports that, Johnny. Right, yeah, and you'll be seeing plenty of that, I'm sure. Uh, whenever there's a big Hawks play, um, shared via meme <laughs> at uh, at Four Feathers Pod and at Untap Sportsnet uh, on social media. Make sure you go and follow us there, um, Ron. What, a, a couple two last things here, a couple two treat things um, for the end of what to watch. Um, the we talked about the goalie situation. Let's talk about the defensemen, um, specifically some of the young guys. Ian Mitchell um, had been, you know, kind of like a stretch of healthy scratches. I know he'd played a few of those earlier games at the homestand, then he was scratched. Isaac Phillips was in um he was not in the lineup for that game that you were just talking about that you and tony were at but then he was back in uh, and isaac phillips was the odd man out um on the blue line for um the game against philadelphia which you know the blackhawks still won um ron thoughts on this whole situation because i think phillips has shown more in his brief time than uh ian mitchell has and you can make arguments on either side like mitchell's not getting enough of an opportunity or is he not doing enough with his opportunity to warrant even more um people are just saying that should we just you know scratch jack johnson or caleb jones instead and let both of them play um there's number of ways to go here i just want your assessment on the situation as a whole yeah, Johnny, I, I think what it is is it's they're just keeping both guys warm right now and, and kind of alternating the planning time because I really think we are going to see at least one trade, maybe two from the blue line at the deadline. My hypothesis is somebody like Lou Lamorello is going to want Jack Johnson at the deadline for a bag of pucks and a seventh-round pick. Um, and there's maybe a chance that a guy like that we appreciate here at Four Feathers, that Jake McCabe, you know, if they get the right trade suitor for him, even though he's got more than just this season left on, his on his deal you know uh, another guy we could see leave so i think they're just trying to keep both of them warm because that's going to be the tryout right after the deadline for both of these guys because mitchell and phillips will be playing and either playing on a pairing together or maybe getting alternating opportunities in the top four you know in my opinion these are probably the two that are maybe they've identified as they got to fight for a spot or they really like phillips and they want to see if he outplays mitchell because Johnny, the way things are going right now, I think they really do like Phillips and they want to see more of them. But they're trying to see what they can get in Ian Mitchell before potentially letting him walk. Because this is a walk here for him. You know, they got to see what they have in him. I, I mean, Bowman was really a really big Mitchell guy. But based on how things have gone, Johnny, it makes me think that Davidson was one of those that opposed the Mitchell draft pick. Um, and we're, you know, maybe starting to see some of that come to fruition of, hey, you got to either show us something or we're going to let you walk. 
Yep. So uh, my hot take on it, um, Ian Mitchell's cooked. He's done. He's good as gone. Um, I'm sorry. That, that's just the way that they've been treating him there. Um, it's, you know, maybe partially his fault for, you know, some mistakes that happen when he does get in. Um, and then other things, just they may just not like his player profile. And they have a bunch of up and coming guys uh, that they've drafted highly in recent years. And you're talking about guys that have started World Juniors, right? All the defensemen on Canada, um, you Kevin Korchinski, you got uh, Ethan Del Mastro. I know those guys are a little bit away. Nolan Allen uh, could use a number of examples there. So you're going to have a log jam there. Um, probably get him some garbage time minutes here. And I say garbage time because he may still do some things well in that time, but regardless of what happens, they're just going to move on from him because that's the natural end with this contract there. So sorry, Ian Mitchell, but that's just how I feel uh, based on watching the whole situation and watching his deployment. Yeah. And in addition to that, Johnny, uh, only, you know, 1609 um, in that game against Philadelphia, you know, that's not a lot of minutes. That was least amount of minutes on the team, Johnny. And just really quick here, looking up as a comparison to Phillips and his ice time uh, in that game against the Sabres. Uh, Phillips skated 18.33. That was just short of fourth most on the team. Uh, so it really does feel like they play very differently when it's when it's Phillips in the game versus Mitchell. Mitchell becoming the coming in as the lowest tallying uh, by almost two minutes in terms of time on ice behind a guy like Caleb Jones. Phillips actually getting more time than Jones in that game against the Sabers and was like seven seconds short of what Jack Johnson played for fourth on the team. So very different deployment between the two of them. So just adding some numbers behind your hot take, Johnny. I don't think it's as hot as uh, you might think it is. Right. I think you're I just. I just think you're accurate. My friend. Yeah, right. It just feels like writings on the wall type of thing. Right. Yeah, Ron? I, I yeah. think that's that's more of what it is there. So, um, all right, uh, let's move on uh, for what to what to watch. Uh, last thing, uh, you know, obviously I talked about the back to backs here this weekend, Saturday at the Blues, uh, Sunday at home against the Kings. I'll be there for a little Sunday fun day action. Uh, going to be a fun one. And then uh, three game Western Canada road trip next week. Uh, maybe a little Hawks after dark there with me and uh, Tony. If you're still up uh, late night, burn the midnight oil run. Uh, possibility uh, for something like that. Or maybe we'll just do a Hawks happy hour before one of those since they're later start time. So um, that's what's coming up for the Hawks. Our final thoughts here as we get to this, we appreciate all of our listeners tuning in here uh, to season four, episode 11 of the Four Feathers podcast. Um, before we close it down, our final thoughts, Ron. I, this is a appreciation rant for the Italian beef at the United Center. Usually when you go to a stadium, ballpark, um, you know, arena, the concert venue, wherever you're going, the food there is just something it's sustenance, right. To kind of maybe soak up some of the beer. It doesn't really matter how it tastes. Maybe the hot dogs. Yeah. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. It's not terrible, but it's not like, you know, over the top, like great. The, the Italian beef. Sure. I've had some restaurants that have had maybe a little bit better beef, but my God, for a sports venue, the Italian beef, there's excellent hot jardinera is hot. They pile it on and it's the, 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 the gravy with it is excellent as well. And it makes it, you know, just you get the perfect consistency throughout. And it was a great treat. That was the best part of my game uh, Saturday night when I went there because the Blackhawks goalies couldn't stop a beach ball. Um, they obviously evidenced by uh, the Kraken putting up six uh, in the opening frame there. So that was the best part of my Saturday night. Thank you, United Center Italian Beef, for making it that way. Oh, Johnny, you're making me hungry. I think the next time we have a four feathers uh, night at the UC, I'm going to I'm going to have to partake in the uh, the Italian beef with you. You've got me excited for it. It's good, man. Uh, like I said, it, 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 you know, I'd love to hear if, if someone disagrees, if you think it's like trash or if I'm just like, you know, overrating it, let me know. But for whatever reason, just it's always hit the spot for me. 
I think that's. I think we we have a four feathers on tap eats uh, collaboration on our hands here with the UC Italian beef, Johnny. So something people are going to have to keep an eye out here for the future. Uh, but speaking of last thoughts, Johnny, I, I've got two of them for you, real quick. Um, the Tage Thompson anytime goal scorer was absolutely never a doubt. But all of my betting horrors uh, at Tuesday night, while in person, uh, we had first goal scorer for the Blackhawks, I believe. Oh, I don't remember who I took. I don't even think I took a Blackhawk, actually, now that I think about it. I think it was Alex Tuck and um, good old Gergensens were my two picks for first goal scorer yes. of the game. <laughs> yeah, trying to trying to hit big, uh, but yeah. the, the Tage Thompson anytime was, was a no-doubter there, Johnny. Uh, and then just quickly, a little bit of a broadcasting story, two short ones here. Um, I have used the term understanding the assignment, like the the, the TikTok trend uh, in a broadcast before, and it gets a really good pop out of the younger crowd, but I'm sure there was a lot of people that were just right. like, yeah, that's a good call in, in football to say he understood his assignment on the field. You know right. I mean? They don't know the fullback uh, story. Yeah. And interpretation. Yeah. Again, just going back to our discussions with, with Foster's yeah, also right. too. Uh, my buddy, Zach, who actually went to the game with Tony and I on Tuesday night, um, used to do when I was color commentating for the football games all the time. Uh, he would give me like a list of words and phrases I had ah. to incorporate into my broadcasts. Uh, a lot of fun. First off, uh, especially when you have to figure out how to incorporate uh big boss pig toss and tight end tap dance uh, into your broadcast call. And better hope the tight end gets enough targets for you to bring that one in. Hey, he did. And it, it worked out well. He got clobbered by the linebacker and dropped the ball. And I said, Oh, he got absolutely smacked and there's no tight end tap dance occurring today in the middle of the field. You just got to play it on the fly, Johnny. It's a lot of fun, but just a fun little broadcast story. Uh, it's something I enjoy doing. I'm not big time by any means, but it's just fun. And it's it's something I'm very passionate about. So those are those are my final thoughts. Uh, another great episode of Four Feathers with you, Mr. Johnny Naughty. Talking yeah, about right, Ron, it's said it multiple times. I appreciate you uh, sharing your experience there. It's good to get the different perspectives, especially people uh, have some experience in the field um, that, we, that we are dissecting and breaking down there. So, Ron, uh, it's great to be back on the mic with you. Listeners, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, make sure you go uh, subscribe on tap sports on on youtube so you don't miss a future show uh you can check out all of our news and updates and analysis and article form at ontapsportsnet.com and all of our other fun content social media at four feathers pod and at on tap sportsnet that'll do it for this episode of the four feathers podcast ron happy friday night happy friday Johnny. detroit sucks <laughs>